Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Fairbones Biz, we believe that business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make more money, yeah, baby, you've come to the right place, too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, biz builders. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Hey, hey. Hi, Rick. Hello. How are you? Good. My voice is cracking a little bit. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Arquillo, who's the CEO of Roto-Rooter Organization. And uh, you have one of the, the biggest companies in our industry and certainly a powerhouse company in any industry. And I'm so excited to uh, showcase your success on, on the show today. And this is a popular show. Rick, on my end, I can see a switchboard of folks who've called in, and there's also uh, the easiest way to connect on the radio show is to listen via Internet. But um, we've just got a full switchboard of folks who've called in as well. If you have a question for Rick as we progress, raise your hand. You can do that by pressing the number one on your keypad. And we'll be recording this show. If you like what you you heard or you want to introduce the the information to someone else, you can always go back to our radio show page. It's barebonesbiz.com slash radio. Or you can go to the Blog Talk Radio page and search for Bare Bones Biz, B-A-R-E-B-O-N-E-S-B-I-Z.com. My intention, Rick, is I love to help people be successful. And I've got the scars to show for it for my uh, efforts to help people start and fix and grow their businesses. And once upon a time, I've even done some work for the Roto-Rooter organization and had a blast. One of my favorite places was Key Largo. And we sent some Yeah, time down that's there. right. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good time. Yay. Well, it was fun to see you again not too long ago on the television show Undercover Boss. And uh, it was a really interesting portrayal. You have a soft heart of you. You're kind of a soft-hearted guy, aren't you? Yeah, geez, I you didn't see that in Key Largo, so uh, uh, <laughs> no, you, <were> <laughs> yeah, you and fifteen other million people got to see it on uh, on CBS, but uh, you know you 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 don't know where that journey will will take you, and you just put yourself out there and see where you end up, and uh, uh, you know it was an, an it really is an unscripted show that um, you, you don't know where you end up what road you'll go down but uh yeah you got to see uh you got to see me tear up a couple of times that's right well i'm kind of a i'm kind of a crier myself so i like that i, I just am uh, someone who wears my heart on my sleeve and sometimes that's a little disconcerting but it is who i am and i applaud uh, your ability to i think it was either zig ziglar or dale carnegie someone said every now and then you have to rip open your chest and let them see your heart and you did on that show, and uh, I applaud you for that. But let's go well, back a little bit. We've got some time to spend and get to know you a little bit. And, and one of the, the benefits for me, because I'm an extremely selfish person, for doing a show like this is that I will pick people who in, are, are intriguing to me and get to spend some time with them. So I love to learn a little bit about you. We have this moment together that we can share with callers if uh, they raise their hand or for folks who are listening, but I'd like to know a little bit more about you. So if you wouldn't mind, let's start at the beginning. Tell us the story of your journey. How did a guy like you get to be CEO of Roto-Rooter Corporation? 
Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner. I grew up um, a little bit uh, north of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, went to college at uh, Ohio State along with 50,000, 75,000 other people. Oh, is, that, is that the school where they dot the I with the guy who's playing the... the yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, play that team up north every November, you know. Can't can't call it University of Michigan, it's that team up north. So uh, Oh, I got it. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's uh, you know, uh, after college, uh uh I got engaged, you know, a few weeks before graduation and uh um had a year-long engagement, got married, uh said, "Hey, I got to go out and and work for a living and uh probably had a couple of sales jobs, but my first big break for me was um, Chemlon, the the lawn care folks. Now I think it's called True Green Chemlon. Right. Okay. And, and uh, was a regional sales manager, uh, national sales manager, and then uh, took over the commercial side of the business. As most service businesses have a residential commercial component, uh, the lawn care industry, specifically Chemlon, was struggling with how to service the commercial customer's needs being different from residential, and do we keep it together or pull it apart, kind of a, an age-old service industry question. But at that time, they said, hey, Rick, why don't you take all the commercial business and and make it a separate entity within um, a Chemlon and became vice president of the commercial division of, of Chemlon. Um, then in 89, um, joined, in the spring of 89, joined Roto-Rooter, uh, as a regional vice president of operations, we had at the time, geez, uh, well, they, they made a, they made an extra region just for me, which did a really good job of making everyone unhappy because no one wanted to leave the region they were in to join the new guy, you know. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so, so new guy comes in from outside, uh, from the lawn care industry, and they're going, well, first of all, what does this hotshot VP know about plumbing? He's coming from the lawn care industry. And why do I have to leave my regional vice president, you know, that I currently have to work for this new guy? So that now, was my. Let me, uh, let me interrupt a second. Did, are, are both organizations are owned by the same parent company? No, no. Chemlon was a separate uh, uh, public company. Uh, okay. Uh, when I left the lawn care industry, um, I took a little bit of a hiatus, um, about four months. Uh, Chemlon had been acquired by Ecolab, a company out of uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, nothing wrong with Ecolab, great company, uh, doing quite well today, but it just wasn't working for me. This chemical company lawn care merger just didn't uh, uh, didn't 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 fit right by my way of thinking, and uh, basically wanted a little time, uh, Ellen, to back off, reflect, and say, what do, what do I want to be when I grow up? I'm I'm I love 30. those midlife crises. I love them. Oh, it's awful. I mean, well, you know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> wow, you got you got all day long to think about this and going, what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Oh my gosh, what do I want to do? And you know, three young children, blah blah. And uh, I finally came to the conclusion I really wanted to stay in the service industry. I just didn't want to be part of the consolidation of a lawn care industry with a chemical company. So. I set out to look at all the national service businesses that I thought would be a good fit for me, and Roto-Rooter was one of those companies. And in the spring of 89, joined Roto-Rooter, uh, regional vice president, then became senior VP, and then became uh, uh, president. Uh, and I don't 
I keep getting asked. I should know this by now. I've been asked a lot. When, when did that happen? And I, I think it was 1999. So uh, in, in the this 11th This is a pretty year. informal show. So I don't like have a bank of fact checkers or anything. I, I don't. Yeah, know. you know, if somebody We're calls good. me out on it and says that's not when it was. <laughs> someone can, someone else I'm, can Google I'm, that. I'm I'm googling it right now. The he <laughs> that's his first lie of the show. You know, I'm I'm, tra- I'm tracking him for number of lies today. So well, anyway, I'm roughly 10, 11 years. But yeah. um, now, as you mentioned that, that's an interesting point, and and I want to bring this up for the sake of some of the some of our listeners. When I was president of Benjamin Franklin Plumbing. I am the wife of a plumber, but if I ever picked up a wrench, I would hurt myself. And that yeah, was, yeah. and uh, you know, just to be a little bit sexist here, I was a woman in a primarily male field. But one of the things that I had to do, that it sounds like you had to do too, was establish some reason to believe in me as a leader, not being a technician or coming from the industry specifically. How did you overcome that? Because some people, as they rise up through management or as companies merge or they come from one industry to another and, and are in charge of leading a new group of yeah. people, how did you overcome the fact well, that you didn't know it? Well, you know, it was not easy. And the first year, looking back, what was by far the most difficult. For, for one, I was the first person at a senior level brought in from outside. Everyone else had been homegrown, promoted from within. So... Uh, there were a lot of eyes on me, and secondly, you're a lawn care guy. What do you know about plumbing? Uh, to, to, to tell you, I won over everyone. I didn't. Uh, I, 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 if you look at the percentages, I, I would say I had critical mass. So I had more people who believed in me than didn't, and, and frankly, some never did buy in. So um, uh, you 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 do your best to bring to the table the the. The, the skill set and the added value you, you, you think you bring to the business. I, I, I felt I, I knew a lot about the service industry and was the first to admit I didn't know a damn thing about plumbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, as as we grew together, the organization said, hey, lawn, lawn care guy's not so bad. You know, he's he's bringing... Lawn care guy? Lawn care guy, yeah. That was you? Yeah, I was lawn care guy for a while. Lawn I wasn't part guy. of Roto-Rooter. I was lawn care guy coming lawn in from outside. Right. I, you know, and, a, and there's a moniker. Well, and you know, you, you know, the body was somewhat rejecting the organ. You know, uh, the mm-hmm. Roto-Rooter body was saying, uh, who, "What's this foreign object here? This Roto-Rooter new guy, uh, Arquilla, and, and God, he's got a VP title too." You know, so yeah. so culture culture clash. Whether it's somebody from outside coming in, whether it's Merging two businesses together, uh, I think we we can't underestimate that there's a lot going on above the dollars and cents. You know, uh, things may make a lot of sense on an org chart, or they might make a lot of sense financially. But let's not forget these are real life people who have to work together and get along. And, uh, if you were to go back to that point in time again, with the perspective you have now. What advice would you give yourself then, or that you could give to someone else? Uh, I I don't know that I would have moved into the home office right from the get go, which I did. I, okay. I think it might have. I think it may have served me better to have had maybe six to twelve months um, with a cubbyhole or a modest office in one of our branches uh, to eat, sleep, and breathe it. Uh, I probably didn't do myself self any favors being viewed as. Uh, 
uh, new guy and corporate guy, home office guy, all all at one time. Okay, and so that kind of ties back into going undercover because what I really like about that show, I hope they do another season. I really enjoyed it because I'm a big fan of riding along. One of the ways I got people to accept me was by getting in the truck and letting them know how much I cared and learning about the, the frontline people and how amazing they were and the great things that they've done. I really, really love that the show is, um, you know, bringing the executives and the frontline people together because that distance can expand unless you consciously close the gap there. So that's along the lines of what you actually did with the with the TV show. Yeah, yeah, and and um you know if you said doing undercover boss the uh, i i had an overly simplistic view of what i thought was going to happen um go undercover learn a few things implement um what was learned and um um you know hold hands and sing kumbaya at the end of the show <laughs> it wasn't quite like that for me um probably the biggest surprise for me was there was also an element of uncovering the undercover boss, which um, just didn't hit my radar screen. I wasn't planning on that being part of the experience, but that was, um, um, you know, this may sound a little corny and a little philosophical, but it it um, you come away with a lot of introspection on how to be a better person, not just how to try to improve your organization. And... Uh, uh, you're kind of going through this learning process on camera, and there's nowhere to hide. You know, um, you can't say, "Hey, can, well, you, can you turn those cameras off for a while?" Whose great idea was it? Like, how did you get involved? It doesn't seem you don't seem to me like the guy who was seeking out celebrity. So, like, well, how did this get on your radar? How were you? Actually, we we were contacted by um, the network, and okay, and we. We then, um, I don't know if you'd call it a screening process, but but the, the network came in and did a uh, about a one-hour interview with me, uh, cameras rolling, and then and then that went back to CBS for a, you know, uh, a is is Rota Rooter um, a good fit for this TV show? Yes, no, and. Uh, can we tolerate this Arquilla guy for an hour? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> the first one was probably a lot easier to answer than the second one. You know, it might have been a photo finish on number two, whether we can tolerate Arquilla or not. Plumbers but, are sexy. They're all yeah, good. plumbers are cool, but man, that, the, 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 the boss, I don't know about him. Uh, so we got to go ahead. This would have been, Alan, around um, February of of oh, 2010, and... Uh, then we started Any, moving uh, cold quickly. Feet as, uh, as it was getting closer. Uh, well, you get a little, you you get a little nervous in that you, the show hadn't aired. If, if you if you recall, the first episode right. um, aired after the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and we had signed we had signed on. Actually, we started filming the day after the Super Bowl um, in New Orleans, of all places, who won the Super Bowl. So we're going, oh, wow, nice. this is this is not this is uh, maybe not. Um, uh, serendipitous for us because, geez, you know, gotta gotta think a lot of New Orleans fans were watching the Super Bowl, and gotta think a few of them might have caught that undercover boss thing that aired after the Super Bowl. And here's 
Rotor Rooter run around town with a bunch of cameras and film crew, you know. Uh, oh, but, funny. Uh, yeah, so we, no one, no one seemed to get too intrigued by what's going on here, and we had the good fortune that it, it, it being the 75th anniversary of Rotor Rooter, we could somewhat explain away all of the cameras. Oh we, sure, and congratulations on that. That's well, thank a, you. A formidable thank you, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I just read recently that. Uh, publicly traded companies, Fortune 500 companies, average lifespan is 40 to 50 years. There's a little piece of trivia. So, uh, Excellent. Uh, the fact that we're 75 years old, we're uh, um, we're, we're beating we're beating the the mean average, uh, the mode, whatever. For for all of your stat- statisticians listening in, whichever. Again, is the right I, term. I hope they yes. don't call in because you know I'm kind of just like. So anyway, uh, we we. We told all the frontline employees that I was riding with that, uh, you know, uh, they explained I was the new guy, but they were explaining the cameras as a independent film company doing a documentary on the 75th anniversary to see if some uh, network cable or otherwise would be interested in the, in the, in that show. So um, you no know, one seemed to question it much, like, well, okay, fine, here we go. When they um, selected the team members, you had a, a really great group of uh, team members, and I particularly fell in love with the, the customer service rep dispatcher that you had who just tolerated how absolutely terrible you were, no offense, at manning the, the switchboard. Yeah. That's a deceptively hard job, isn't it? Well, it is, it is difficult, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Candace was trying her darndest to um, – teach me how to dispatch and and obviously I wasn't getting it one of the best lines which didn't make the show is she looks at me and she goes you're making my head hurt and I go well you're making my head hurt so we're even and we kind of had this standoff where uh, you're a terrible student and I'm thinking yeah well, you're not a very good teacher either, so there you go. And, so you were and, uh, reduced to sixth grade level. Oh, yeah. Well, point. I mean, she's like, why can't you get it? And I'm thinking, I think I'm a pretty smart person. If you would explain it better, I'd be able to get it, but it's not because I'm not smart enough. It's the instructor who's failing, not the student. So and anyway, I failed, mis- I failed miserably at it, by the way. Well, they did edit it, I'm sure, to make you look uh, even more um, uh, feeble than you were. No, they didn't have to work that hard at No, they didn't have to. (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. Well, I mean, the truth is I am colorblind. That wasn't made up for the show. I did did help design the dispatch model we use, and the truth is, I, you know, if you said one of the lessons learned from undercover bosses, every once in a while you have to eat your own cooking to see what it tastes like. And, and yeah. uh, I I had been in the, uh, I guess what you'd call the theoretical side of developing a dispatch uh, system, but uh, wasn't quite so darn easy when the, when the colorblind guy was out there trying to make it work. Well, let me just interrupt now and then. I like to remind the latecomers where they are. This is Ellen Rohr, and this is Bare Bones Biz Blog Talk Radio. And my guest today is Rick Arquilla of Roto-Rooter Corporation, and he's sharing his stories from going undercover on the CBS hit show Undercover Boss. And one of the things about going undercover or even just doing a ride-along, even if you're not trying to – 
a disguise who you are. If you were to get in the truck or, or go on the front lines with the people in your organization, did you find you were talking about being the, the theoretical architect of that dispatch system and then seeing it, then eating your own cooking and realizing yeah. some of the um, the challenges in using it, at least for you. But what yeah. else did you discover? Because, you know, one of the things I've learned is that when we're in the office and we come up with something that's supposed to help out in the field and then we go out in the field and it's really just a, a pain in the butt, if not a waste of time, what other things did you discover on the front lines that had seemed like a good idea when you were in the corporate office, but once you were in the field, you thought, well, why did yeah, you ever start that? Well, as I mentioned, you know, observing um, isn't the same as doing, so as much as we all pride ourselves as business leaders that we're connected, we're in tune, we know what's going on out there on the front line, et cetera, there, there's a difference between riding with a technician all day, looking at your BlackBerry um, on your smartphone, you know, blah, blah, versus doing plumbing or cleaning sewers or pumping a grease trap or, you know, jetting on a sewer line. So, it, 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 you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is this was the first time I had really just said, stand back, I'm doing it, no helpers, I can do this by myself, here we go. I had not uh, in my years at Rotary done that. Now, a lot of time in the field, yeah, a lot of time on the front line, yeah, a lot of time in text trucks, yeah. But first time Interesting. Actually, okay. First that's, time pretty, actually, that's a, a good distinction. Yeah, yeah. So there's a heck of a difference between doing it versus observing one doing it. Uh, I, I would also tell you that uh, I'm not sure you should always trust your trusted advisors. And what I mean by that is I, I think all companies, regardless of size, you if you're not careful, you can uh, either get into some groupthink or – after a certain number of years, you 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 may all as a group start to think the same way. So none of the ideas get challenged, and and so I I think the best way we can all challenge our circle of trust, if you will, or our trusted advisors, is to put it to the test out in the field. That that to me that's the quickest, fastest way where the rubber meets the road. I mean, every decision that's made. Certainly at Rotor Rooter, but I'd even broaden it to more than Rotor Rooter. Is the moment of truth is, does it work for your employees, and do customers like it? And mm -hmm. if you can't, if you can't say yes to both, I'm not sure it really matters how cool it sounded back in the home office. From your experience since then, I mean, you've been, you know, uh, uh, the the show was. Maybe a year ago then, or, or half a year. Uh, it was ago? it was early it was early spring. Yeah, it's about a half a year ago. Yeah. Okay, half a year ago. So, did you bring back a lesson or something that um, you've engaged as a result? Like, t tell me what's different as a result of that experience operating. Well, I, I, I mean, I can tell you that if you if you said, okay, lessons learned, but then what? You know, what what does it mean for the organization? Uh, yeah. Some of the things we've done. Company, I guess if you want to call them company-wide initiatives, as a result of the show, we've uh, uh, one that I'm very proud of that we're in, in the middle of rolling out as we speak is a frontline leadership program where we're identifying our our our, our best and brightest non-managerial frontline talent and uh, earmarking that group for additional. Um, skill training, uh, involvement with senior level folks, 
Uh, we're not suggesting that everyone that's in this program gets promoted, but we're going to work very hard to make everyone that's in the program promotable, which I think is important to, to uh, uh, differentiate the two. Just because you've been earmarked for additional training and help and support doesn't mean it's a layup and you get a promotion. But I do believe this, if we give our frontline our high-profile frontline folks, all the tools necessary to be promotable, even if they leave the company, Alan, go work somewhere else and get promoted, I still think that's a win because I think they'll leave behind a, a strong track record of performance and uh, uh, high morale, et cetera. So that that became apparent to me from Undercover Boss. Like, wow. I love I'm, that. Yeah, I'm with all these very cool frontline folks. How do we get them on the radar screen? For example, Candace was a nighttime dispatcher. I would never okay. have interacted with Candace um, I wouldn't have been hanging out in the call center at 10 o'clock at night. So how does someone like Candace get on the radar screen? Um, so we think the, the frontline leadership program um, is, is a big deal. And, uh, um, and, you know, even if they choose not to be promoted, like suppose they like their job, that exposure to the other areas of the business can bring with it a, an empathy or an understanding of what the other – uh, side has to deal with. Yeah, I see it that way. Yeah, I really yeah. don't see any downside from it. If if we open it up for everyone in the organization, I mean, you can't open this up to thousands of employees and 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 honestly say, and everyone could get promoted because that's just right. that's a fault. That's a false statement. But if but think about it this way: if you select a smaller group, and you happen to be one of the frontline people that didn't get included. I still think good comes from that because you can go to your immediate supervisor and say, hey, why didn't I get selected for the frontline leadership program? They're going, well, that, that's that's a great question. Let's sit down and talk about it. Let's talk about your, your last re- performance review. Let's talk about what you do on the job. Let's talk about where you need to improve. Uh, I'm glad you asked that question. So, uh-huh. so I don't think it has to be a, a negative if you're not in the program. I think it might beg the question, how do I get in? What do I need to do to get there? You know? So, me, so that's me, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, let me let me uh, uh, kind of play on something you said about not everybody. You know, there's not room for everybody in the organization to move up the ladder. However, there's more room in a large dynamic company than there is in a small company. And one of the reasons why I like to help companies who have set the intention of growing is that it gives some reason to believe for the team members who work there. So, you know, but being a big company like yours, you know, describe the size of your company and perhaps some of the challenges that you have. Your your company is not only big, it's um, not homogenous. There are different, you've grown different Yeah, areas, different uh, that's right. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at Roto-Rooter as an organization, we're about, we, we cover about 90% of the U.S. population and, 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 uh, nearly, it's equally divided. Forty-five percent uh, independent franchise owners, forty-five percent company-owned and operated. Um, if you add up number of locations between franchise, company-owned and operated, et cetera, you're pushing a number that's uh, in the eight hundred to a thousand location range. Uh, and if you add all the employees on both sides of the equation, you're probably pushing in that uh, eight to ten thousand uh, headcount. So how do you how do you harness the energy of a highly decentralized? Uh, the good news is we're highly decentralized. 
the okay. bad news is the bad news is we're highly decentralized. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the good news is we're all over the U.S. That's a good thing. Uh-huh. But but we're not in this controlled factory environment where the foreman can walk the shop floor every day and say what's right. going on, and it's not as easy to identify where where the talent lies. But I think what you said earlier is absolutely on the money. Companies that want to grow, companies that have performance as the the basic first step, the basic premise of why they exist, and companies that reward performance over politics, performance over did I behave the right way or say or do the right things. I think that's what brings talent to your organization because my bias is talented people want to work for companies that put performance above all else. And I'm not implying you can perform well and be a jerk, you know, Mm -hmm. but within reason, I think it's okay to say, look, this person may not be my best friend. This person may not be my beer drinking buddy or my fishing buddy or somebody I want to watch a sporting event with or go shopping, go to the mall, etc., but I love their performance. I can tolerate who they are, and I love their performance. I think that makes a lot more sense than saying, do they speak the corporate speak? Can they recite uh, you know, mission and vision and values, and can they uh, you know, t- talk, talk all the corporate speak stuff and therefore will reward that behavior? I think it gets all whacked out once you start going down that road. It's more about behavior than it is performance. When it comes to the the mission or the vision of the company, if we separate that from corporate speak as something negative and or not necessarily negative, but like a language that may help you um, navigate the corridors of the executive yep. level, let's set that aside. What is it from a, a mission standpoint or a visionary standpoint that as the leader of, you know, perhaps up to 10,000 people, what is yeah. it from a value standpoint that you do want everybody to know about you or what you do want to communicate to every level of the, this disparate organization, well, knowing that you know, it's very I, different? I, I, I mean, I can tell you this. I mean, if we've we've all seen, you know, it's been a while, but there was a phase when vision – vision statements, mission statements, value systems, et cetera, was kind of in vogue. And I always found it interesting and fun to go to any any business and ask any of the employees if they could recite even one sentence from their vision right. statement. I just one sentence. Just, just one right. sentence. I'm not asking you to recite the, the whole damn thing. Just <laughs> give me one sentence. I'll, double or nothing for my oil change if you can give me one right. one, one sentence out of the vision. So without belaboring that... Road Rooters is pretty simplistic. Um, be a great place to work, provide world-class service, number two, and number three, grow the business. It's pretty straightforward. Well, I think that is really straightforward, and that seems to be um, consistent with how you're presenting your company. I had an experience like that once where I was at uh, Ben & Jerry's. Now, I love Ben & Jerry's, and they seem to me a really value-based business, and I went mm-hmm. to their corporate headquarters once upon a time, and I asked the same question of one of the employees, yeah. And written on the wall behind this employee was the mission statement in like yes. six-inch high letters, oh, and yeah. they had no idea. <laughs> well, that's right. And, and see, I, I won't do it unless it's within eyesight, and, and I won't give out. Actually, I'll 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 mention it, it was a, a national oil change company. There aren't that many, so you can probably figure out who it was. But the person could have looked 
two feet to his or her left and could have read it. They didn't even know it was hanging on the wall, let, let alone know any part of it. So to me, it's not about – here's what I do believe. I, I think I think how you behave every day at my level and every business leader, manager in your organization ultimately determines – what the value system is all about. It's not what you put on a sheet of paper. It's how you really behave day in, day out. Now, people have said, who saw Undercover Boss, they said, man, the employees really seemed to like their job. And my response is they do like their job. They didn't fake it for CBS. How can you fake it for a couple of weeks? How can you go to three cities? We didn't, Ellen, we didn't tell them who to pick. To put on the show, we gave oh, them the roster. We gave, I was I was going to ask that. I wrote that down. I forgot to ask no, that. What is no, it? How did the, no, that the, pro- process the process? The process was: you guys come in. Here's the roster of all the employees. Talk to whom, whomever you want. I don't. We I don't even know. We've, we don't even know who what you're looking for. We don't even know what this show's all about. We've okay. just signed up for it. So pick pick whomever you want. So we couldn't hedge our bet and say. We'll give you the ones that are uh, camera-friendly and nice, and we'll hide all the mean people in a closet till we're done filming. You know, nah, it didn't work like that. You pick who, you pick whomever you want. And, and, you know, you and talked I d- about um, every day doing your best to demonstrate, um, you know, who you are, and to be the best leader that you can be. Now, you've been, this is a 75-year-old organization, and how long have you been at the helm now? Uh, well, I've been with the company 20, this is my 22nd year. I'm, I'm, so you started uh, when you were 12? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Isn't okay. that cool? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just uh, an Uber kid. I, you know, there, well, that's so. right. You know, <laughs> other kids were playing baseball, and I was trying to split the atom bomb in the sixth grade, you know, just... <laughs> All right, so you've been there. You've been there a long time, and yeah. um, one of the things I'm old enough to to understand, and you're probably going to relate to this, is that you can have a company your size having made a lot of mistakes. We're just looking for a winning batting average. So as you look back over the company, good times and bad times, good decisions, bad decisions. What are some of the pivotal points that have allowed you? to have kept the rotor name rotor rooter name a major player in an organization because you've already said you beat the odds here and yeah. you know yeah. there there is a, a longevity here that that tells us that there've been all kinds of decisions made well, good and bad well yeah and i so you know you're pivotal, yeah. pivotal points i'm having a hard time saying that word no you're yeah i mean <laughs> it's it, it's a great question Alan, in that if you're going you know if you start from why do companies not beat the average of 40, 50 years? I, well, and, and also I, I'd suggest that... The, the, just to, to clarify the question, then I'm going to let you talk, but sometimes what seems at the time to be a good decision turns out to be a rough one and vice versa, but they can still be moments of quantum change or... Big yeah, and, I, and I, think, I think there's strategic... I think strategic change can't occur frequently or you confuse everyone i think you can't reinvent yourself too frequently or you confuse everyone uh, i think there's a balance between staying the course and, and having good tactical execution but you have every company has to reinvent themselves at some point because 
let's face it, every company in America is born with some concept of saying we're either unique and different or we think we can grab a certain percentage of market share based on how we want to go to market. At some point, you plateau, and unless you either reinvent yourself, um, you, you start that slippery slope of a, what I call the slow corporate death march where people are hanging on, or even worse, you're saying, hey, I know we can do better. We'll just have to tighten our belts, be a little more disciplined, maybe be a little more tough-minded, et cetera. Well, not, not necessarily. So coming back to your question of pivot points, I would uh, I would look at um, Roto-Rooter from 1935 until about 1980 was strictly a drain-cleaning company. Okay. Uh, didn't get into plumbing until 1980. So, so looking back, uh, a huge pivot point, for Roto-Rooter was reinventing themselves from just being a drain clean, drain cleaning company to a a more uh, full service plumbing business. Now, if you think about that, it was kind of reverse. Roto-Rooter started as a niche player within the plumbing industry. We just clean drains. Do anything else? Nope. But we clean drains really, really well. So call us if you want us to unclog your drain. Then in 1980. Two, to be exact, we became a plumbing business. Uh, another key pivot point for us was when we started reaching uh, uh, near maximum mar- market share for our residential business. What could we do to reinvent ourselves to become better at serving the commercial marketplace? Uh, and and kind of coming full circle, we uh, we've kind of gone back to our roots, saying, "Hey, we we think we know as much." as anybody, about sewers. So give us a call because we're the company that can either either clean it, jet it, repair it, replace it, burst it, line it. But if you need someone to give you expertise about what condition your sewer line's in, we, we think we're the ones to uh, to contact. And so that's a long-winded also, answer to your question, but it's, no, kind, it's, of an, it's kind of an evolution it's since 35. We ran from 35 to 80 in, in a rough terms, 45, 45 to 50 years just saying same old, same old, same old. And I would suspect we were on that slow corporate um, death march in the late 70s, early 80s and had to either reinvent ourselves or become one of those many uh, great brands that uh, were once great. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that your focus now is is um on the the drain systems soup to nuts on the drain Yeah, yeah. I no I, I would say it's it's multiple. I mean, you know, saying okay. do we still believe we have growth in in the plumbing uh, sector? Absolutely. In the commercial sector? Absolutely. As a sewer specialist? Absolutely. So you know, whether you call them pivot points, whether it's a, a, a total reinvention, I don't know. But, you, you know, you and I could quickly come up with a bunch of great U.S. brands that are a mere shadow of what they once were, and I'd suggest whether you frame it as a pivot point or whatever terminology we might use here, they failed to do it. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they rode the same play, if you will, into the ground. And I'm all for being tactically better at executing your game plan. But at some point, the game plan gets a little long in the tooth, and you have to decide whether it 
you can get to the promised land, if you will, through superior execution or whether you need to rethink what what business or businesses you should be in. And you've um, enhanced the overall offering with the green plumbing initiative, too. Yes, yeah, and it's mostly right now on um, specific to water conservation. But you know, our our thoughts on this is we we're hopeful there's a one year payback or less. Uh, I think people want to. This is an editorial comment. I think people want to go green. Um, mm-hmm. If if the price is the same or not much more, and or there's a reasonable payback period. I mean, if you use a ridiculous example and said, hey, um, um, uh, I could save you uh, X gallons a year in your home if you if you uh, buy into our green program, and they're going, uh, how much would that cost? I go, $50,000, and you'll never pay it back in your lifetime. How does that sound? They go, well, that, right. doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound very good at all. There's got to be some business economics to this where I'm all for uh, conservation, et cetera, and save the planet, but... Let's talk about my wallet too. You know, we can't forget about that one. So we've we've tried to. No, I think I, think I guess walk both sides. Yeah. Yeah, with the with um, water, I think water is definitely going to be the next um, oil in terms of what we're going to be able to do with it and its shrinking uh, availability. So yeah. I think all plumbers have an opportunity as far as making sure that they're on the. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. This. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Let me ask this question because I think this is this is um, a lot of the folks are on the line. By the way, if you want to uh, visit with us, we've got oh about 15 minutes left before we run out of time with Rick. So you can press the number one if you want to ask a question, and I'll look at the switchboard. If you've called in, you can ask a question by pre- pressing the, the number one and raising your hand. But I know from my radio show community that I've got a lot of smaller contractors, and you've got a unique set of requirements as the CEO of such a vast and, and uh, um, diverse organization. But let's go back into the mind of the entrepreneurs. And, and your company is really uh, comprised of so many smaller companies. Yes. What advice would you give an entrepreneur You know, as he's getting started? He is not so bound by, you know, if you decide to change an initiative, you've got to get that across a whole bunch of people. But if yeah. you're a smaller company, what kind of advice from your large company perspective would you share with entrepreneurs? Well, for one, I love, I love the entrepreneurial spirit because it's that new idea, it's that thought that no one else has been able to bring forward that makes makes America great. And I, I would say this, not all people with great ideas are, are able to execute and tactically take to market those ideas. So I'd say if, you, if you've got a great idea and you really believe in it, look at your own strengths and weaknesses or your, your organization and make sure you can tactically execute that great idea. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of great ideas out there that just uh, fall fall in the graveyard because they weren't executed at at a high enough level, um, um, at, at a consistent high enough level. So call it visit business discipline, call it tactical execution. I'm not sure, Ellen, what the right right um, describers would be, but it, it's not I just enough to have. A, it's, it's not it's not enough just to have a good idea. You have to be able to take the good idea and do something with it. And either you can do it yourself, you have somebody on your team who can do it, or you got to find someone who can help help you do that. 
But sometimes I wonder that a small company who, who, say a small business owner who comes face-to-face with his own shortcomings, like he knows what he's good at, he knows what he's, yeah. he's weak at. And I'm not suggesting that that person you know, changed their one of the the books that's written out there is is run with your strengths and organize to overcome your weaknesses, and I buy that. But very often an entrepreneur will look for lightning in a bottle, look for that next employee or that business partner who's going to somehow make all their dreams come true, and that can lead to um, a a disaster as well. Yeah, I don't know that I would even, I mean, I'm more of um, whatever size your company is, whether it's whether you're self-employed or it's a handful of employees or it's a few thousand employees, I, I think that if you picked a competitor, your largest competitor in your marketplace or whatever your footprint is, and you gave them your strategic game plan, if you will, and they gave theirs to you, would it really, really, really make that much difference at the end of the day? And my bias is no. It comes down to who executes the best. Okay. Uh, I mean, every, every I mean, every once in a while, you might have this concept or idea that's just so out there and so ahead of everyone that you get a few years head start on the marketplace. Uh-huh. But I don't think that's how most companies succeed. You you basically win by kicking the crap out of your competitor and taking <laughs> market share away from them, and vice versa. So. Uh, you know, want to want to actually had some bumper stickers made up uh, for our folks here at Rotor Rooter. And when I get all wound up, the, but the, you know, you remember the old bumper sticker? Have you hugged your kids today? Uh huh. Well, my the Rotor Rooter bumper sticker is Have you kicked your competitor's ass today? Question <laughs> mark. And you're going, well, that's that that doesn't sound like that nice, friendly, empathetic guy who was on undercover boss i'm going well yeah it's the same guy if you're on my team i love you but if you go work for a competitor i'm going to try to kick your butt now what's wrong with that you know i mean and i hope you're trying and i hope you're trying to kick my butt so what what's wrong with that isn't that the way it's supposed to be well and when you see you know the uh, uh ball players who are uh, on the the court i love sports analogies for business and life because i think it's such a pure play look at uh, basic behavior and competition when you look at these guys and they're playing against each other, they are playing to win, but they may be best friends off the court. There's a respect in kicking each other's butts. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I, it, I and totally see, I think get that. I think it's I, I think it's healthy too, and I think that everybody in Rotor Rooter would know if and when I lose my edge. You know, if if you said, "Hey, how much longer are you going to do this?" and I don't and I really don't know the answer, but I would tell you this: I'll know when it's time to quit. It's when I wake up in the morning and I don't want to kick my competitor's butt anymore. That's okay. when I sh- that's when I should shake everyone's hand and say it's been it's been a blast. I've loved it. Somebody with a little more intensity, somebody with a little more fire in the belly, somebody with a little a little more tenacity than what I've got needs to be at the helm because I've lost my mojo, so to speak. And 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 see if I, people would know. I wouldn't have to tell them. They would see it. And and how how awful would that be just to take a paycheck and sit sit behind hide behind a title, you know? So do you think that that might be a success the success characteristic? I mean, because the, you you have a lot of people and they come to the organization and say they want to buy a franchise or you know they they want to take over a franchise, yeah. Or they want to come up um, and move up the ladder through the the the, the corporate ladder at Roto Rooter. 
is that the the fizz? Is that the mojo that you're looking for? Is that the undefinable something? I I think so. I mean, I think if somebody um, the world and I know this will sound just so way too philosophical, but is the world full of really oh, smart people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there's there are a lot of brilliant people in in corporate America. But you know what? If you gave me a choice between a passive genius or a super aggressive, I want to win, I want to kick somebody's butt, and I'm just average intelligence, give me the latter. Give me the I, latter. You know, I think that as smart people, and I'll say this about myself too, sometimes smart people figure out why it's not going to work, whereas someone with less intelligence would just press on. There's some uh, uh, quote by Robert Jarvik, the guy who came up with the uh, artificial heart. He said, mm-hmm. leaders are visionaries with no idea of the odds against them. You know, yeah. this idea that if you were brighter than that, you would know it couldn't possibly work. Well, and that's so right. I mean, you, you know, if it's like if you, were a little, if you were a little higher up on the intelligence food chain, you would know all the reasons why this is going to fail. Right. Going, well, don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. <laughs> you know, because, down a little. you know, hey, you know, I, I'm okay. And, you know, we face it all the time. You know, you say, well, do you think this person could be a fill-in-the-blanket at rooter Think they uh-huh. could run a branch? Think they could run a branch? Well, I think we got to start with, do, do they want to win? And how badly do they want to win? And if they're reasonably smart enough, and they can they can get people to want to be on their team and work with them for them alongside them. They can be terribly successful here. But we're not, you know, we're trying to appeal to a bunch of good, hardworking frontline people who just want to be treated well, told the truth, and not manipulated. You know, they're not asking for a hell of a lot. Just treat them right. Treat them right and tell them the truth. You know. This is this has been so much fun. I've got a couple questions left, and I, um, but well, before I before I launch into this next one, let me ask you this. You know, you and I were going to visit, and you knew you had this opportunity to share. What is it that you wanted to to communicate today? Was there something that you wanted to make sure people knew about you, or that you wanted to share about Roto Rooter before you get off the phone? Oh boy, I, I you know, no, I, I, you know, not really. I mean, I, I will tell you this. You said. You said it earlier. You said, I've met you. You don't strike me as one of those guys that would raise his hand and say, can I be on TV, please? I have to be on TV. I need <laughs> I need to feed that ego. I, I just can't handle it unless somebody's telling me how smart or how cool I am. Absolutely don't need that in my life. But I would say this. If you said, "Did I think? do I think the show was a fair portrayal of Roto-Rooter, I would say yes, and that's probably what I'm most proud of. It's not about me. It's not about Rick Arquilla being the undercover boss. I'm terribly proud of the frontline people that were on this show because I don't think they're unique. They could have picked from thousands of others, and I think the show would have come across the same way, and that's what I'm most proud of. You know, And, I, and I'm biased. You know, Yeah, I work here. I've invested the biggest part of my business career here, but I don't think we just got lucky that they picked five people that came across looking like they were good employees and acting like they liked their jobs. Oh, I think that's a lovely sentiment. And it really did come across. And I know um, I I love this industry so much, too, and and a lot of my admiration for the people on the front line is 
born from my complete understanding that I could not do the kind of essential, powerful work that they do. And I'm so no admiring of them for being able to do it. That's why I married my husband, the plumber. I like guys who, I like guys who know how to work with their hands, right? Heck, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, baby. So um, now, as you look to the future, there's mm-hmm. the opportunity of green. There's an expanding organization. I mean, the bigger you get to, to maintain that organization and to find a, a unified direction and a, a strategy, what concerns you or what excites you now as you as you move into the, the next few years? Well, I, you know, this isn't so much Roto-Rooter, but if you just said um, um, what's a little concerning today and maybe in the near term, I um, I think America needs to start believing in itself again. I think we've lost our way a little bit. This isn't a political statement. It's just we're we're used to winning here in the U.S. That's how we're wired. We're we're used to being successful, whether on a personal level or professional level. And uh, we here in America haven't won in a few years. And I think it's attacked our psyche a little bit. What I find interesting is there's lots of companies with a lot of cash who aren't spending it, sitting on the sidelines, uncertain about what the future brings. And and we're kind of in this stalemate that's, um, I guess, got us all scratching our heads. So I I hope somehow we find a way for America to get out of this logjam that we're in right now. Now, more specific to Roto-Rooter, um, man, I'd love to tell you I'm brilliant enough to look into the crystal ball and see where we ought to be 10, 20 years from now. I, <laughs> I didn't I, mean I, to laugh I, at you making fun of your brilliance. <laughs> well, I, I do. I do know this. I'm really laughing. I didn't. I didn't mean. Well, it. I, I believe. I, I think that most companies can figure out when it's time to reinvent themselves, but not everybody has the courage to do it. Right. Because there's risk associated with that. Yeah, and, and if you try to hang on too much to what you've got, out of risk that you could lose some of it or all of it, um, y- you can you can run a great company into the ground by by just hanging on for dear life forever and ever and ever. So, so I think we all, Roadrunner included, have to have the courage to say, can we sustain our growth? Can we be successful just continuing to do what we do? And I'm not sure enough companies, uh, Roadrunner included, ask that question enough to stay fresh, to stay on the uh, on the right side of the growth curve. Um, once once the business starts declining, it's awfully hard to pull back on the reins and re- redirect that. You know. So, one of um, one of my previous guests and one of my favorite people on the planet is a guy named Jack Stack who wrote the book The Great Game of Business. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with um, him? I am. Uh-huh. And so he he um, he really turned my life and my philosophy around by introducing me to the concept of open book management of sharing vital and true financial information with your team. Now you don't have to share everything, but what you do share should be relevant and it should be real. So as you um, uh, and this is this is a, I want to share a little philosophy of mine. The reason why I do what I do is that I believe that business is a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom across the planet. And a winning business is is you know what you were just alluding to is a way to win is to embrace our economy and our economic opportunities. 
right, to go out there, hang up your shingle, and charge more than it costs for stuff, and to create some opportunity. And, I, and as you say, you know, if people are, are holding their, their cards close to their chest, yep. a strong economy always creates freedom. That's, that, to me, that's an essential truth. So yeah, that's you, right. What is, one of the things you said earlier was about training your team, even if they go and they leave to go elsewhere, we're still expanding someone's mind, perhaps. And showing oh, I'm all for that. I mean, if somebody left Roto-Rooter and they're competing against Roto-Rooter in a management or an ownership role, I'd say I'm, I'm, ha- I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Do you still have that bumper sticker? Because I still want to kick your butt. Don't forget that, right? But yeah, I'm a ra- I'm a raging capitalist. I mean, I, this isn't a political statement. I I believe in capitalism. I I don't know if it's a perfect system, but I challenge anyone to to uh, bring forward a better economic model than capitalism. That's I, I, really coming across in a, a fun, attractive way today, Rick, is that you do enjoy the game, and you like to win, and if you lost today, I can see you dusting yourself off and playing again tomorrow, and absolutely watch out, because yeah. you're going to kick their butt. That's, that would be the hope, you bet. But that's fun, isn't it? Well, it is fun, and you know what? There's nothing better, there's nothing more noble than fighting the good fight against your most rivaled competitor, and let's see who wins. And you may not win every day, but you know what? If 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 it isn't worth the fight, it isn't worth anything anyway. You know, so why not try to go out there and do great things? Why not try to uh, take the company where it's never been? Because people winning talent that's on the team and people who want to win are an easy sell. They're they want to be part of that. They don't want to be part of the status quo. They don't want to be part of business as usual. That's rather boring. I don't know that I could get excited about what are we going to do today? Same thing we did yesterday. What are we going to do next week? Same thing we did last week. What about next quarter, next year? Same, same play, same play. That's just that. That's like a prison sentence for me. That would, <laughs> that would, that would just be awful. Okay, so that inspires me to ask you one last question. If, like, I snap my fingers and Roto-Rooter was a thing in the past, that, that is not where you could report in for work tomorrow, what would you do instead? Uh, I'd probably be walking the beach in Florida with black high support hose and madras pants with a metal detector looking for nickels telling people I was once on Undercover Boss. You know, That would you take know. you, like, two months. I know people who've done that, but they start something else. I don't know. I, you know, that's a great question. The, the truth of it is, Ellen, ever since I was a little kid, I've been busy, 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 whether it was paper routes, working in a grocery store, you know, part-time jobs, working my way through college. I, The scare, I, most in, introspective and, and scariest time for me was the few months I had between Chemlon and Rotorooter, saying, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I knew I wanted to be in the service business, and I still know I want to be in the service business. And our little secret here, if you're in the service business, and you can figure out how to get people to be on your team and follow and buy into your ideas, you don't have to be that smart. So it kind of fits well for me. I don't have to be some super intelligent guy. I love when if you knock on the door and you kind of cross your fingers that yeah. somebody nice is going to answer it, that is just a lovely yeah. moment, isn't it? The, tr- the truth of the matter is I know I would do something after retirement. I don't think I would have – I don't think I'd have the interest in saying I want to – go be a hired hand somewhere else. Um, I don't know that I'd want to do that. I mean, I've had this has been a great run for me, and I've loved every minute of it, but 
I don't know that I'd want to say, let's go do that again somewhere. I Well, I here's yeah. what we can do. I'm going to get off the phone, and I'm going to call every person I know in Hollywood and see if we can get you on Dancing with the Stars. Uh, at least, can you get me on Jersey Shores or something? Jersey you know, Shore. Maybe? Okay. Yeah, if the two, if the, two, if the the women are having a big cat fight at dinner. I could break it up like as undercover. <laughs> I'm an official guy, you know. Some bring out the jetters. Something, yeah. Hose yeah. them down with water or something. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, um, hang on so I can officially say goodbye to you after we wrap up the you show. Bet. But thank you so much. It has been thank a you. blast. The hour goes so fast, and it I've does. enjoyed it's, this thing with you so it, much. It's, it's been it's been fun. And a ton of people listened in today, so I'm uh, glad they got to hear all about you and Undercover Boss and, and Roto-Rooter today. So thank you, and I will say goodbye. Oh, no, we're out of time. Thanks to my uber-smart guest, and thanks for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen, XOXOXO. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom. Hey, hey. Oh, well, you are such a sweetheart. Thanks for saying yes to my show and taking an hour out of your time. And now I remember why I like you so much. Well, I I, when you know, I saw you on the show, I was like, oh, it's been a long time since we connected. And I, I yeah, I can't show. remember. Geez, was Key Largo in the, I don't know, mid to late 90s? I can't recall. To, to I think honest. it was about them, but see, I'm really bad at those details. Yeah, too. I don't. I don't. Kind of blends. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, it's, you know what it's like. I mean, if you wake up every day and you you really do still get a charge out of what you're doing, everybody knows it. And that's, I'm still there. And I hope, I hope it's as much fun, you know, five, ten years from now as it is today. But if it isn't, I'll be the first to know, and uh, no one's going to have to show me the exit door. I'll, I'll find it before anyone tells me. Well, let's stay, let's stay in touch, and you let me know if there's anything I can do for you. And thanks to you and your great team for uh, arranging to be on the show today. Oh, I, I was just uh, it, it was it was a blast, and uh, you know when they said it was it was your show, I said absolutely, I'd be happy to do it, love to do it. Yay! Yay! All right, my friend. Well, I wish you all the success in the world, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Rick. You betcha. Bye bye. Bye bye.